Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. Well, I want to say this, and I want to I want to get into the Word today. I think I've got a Word today, not just for this service. I think I've got a Word for this moment. Several months ago, I began to say, I love 2020. Some of y'all looked at me just like what you're looking at me like right now. Friends of mine, pastor friends of mine, question mark, question mark, exclamation, question mark. That's what they're commenting. How? How can you love a year that we've had to go through all that we've had to go through in this year? It isn't that I love what we've had to go through. It's that I'm declaring that I love this year because this year has showed us some things about ourselves that we've said that we wanted to see. Where's Sandy's microphone? I need Sandy's microphone. It's a brand new microphone. I don't know what's going on with this thing. I don't want no distractions on me today. Give me her microphone. Obviously, hers is anointed today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Make sure that hers is going through the live stream when I get it with some good batteries. But I love 2020 because it's not only showed us who we are, most importantly, it has revealed some things about the church. It has peeled the layers of the onion back. And it has revealed that many so-called faith churches only have faith in a few things and a few people. Turn it up. I'm going to compare the two. I may preach like this. Testing one, two. Turn it up. Turn it up. Turn it up in the house. Turn it up in the house. Come on. Come on. Come on. Turn it up. Push it all the way. Not that. Hallelujah. Can you all hear me good? All right. I'm going to try that. It's revealed some stuff in our marriages. It's revealed some stuff in our families. Oh, I'm, I'm already, I tell meddling. I was preaching, but I'm already meddling now. Uh-huh. It has certainly revealed some things in our nation. Some of y'all had your... Instagram post ready. Depending on who won. Huh? And some of y'all had to change it. Because what you thought you was going to get to post, you didn't get to post. And some of y'all is about to post. You're crying and you're tearing your beer crying. You got to change yours to a good one. And all you've thought about for a solid week. Who got what they wanted and who didn't. Who's still saying this? Who's still saying that? Let me tell you why I love 2020. Because if you let God do what he wants to do, 
the very fact of what I just showed you is to expose you because what you are revealing right now and some of you watching online, I'm talking right to you. And I'm talking to a lot of folks in this house too. What is being revealed is who your hope is in. Huh? Yeah. Some of y'all couldn't even go to church today because your boy didn't get it. Some of y'all in church for the first time since the pandemic started because yours did. All of a sudden you're giving praise to God now. Well, what kind of pastor do you want? Huh? You want a pastor going to tell you the truth? Here's the truth. You can trust in chariots and you can trust in horses if you want to. Hey, but I'm going to put my trust in the name of the Lord. My God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, baby. I'm telling you right now, he was on the throne last week and he's on the throne today. Hey, my God never changes. <laughs> That's who I am. Now, if you want some pastor that's going to tickle your little uh, preferences, tickle your little political leanings, you better go ahead right now. Let me help you. I love you, but you need to find another pastor. You need to find another church. Because I preached the same when Clinton was president. I preached the same when Bush was president. I preached the same when Obama was president. I preached the same when Trump is president. And I'll preach through any administration now and in the future in 20 years from now. Because here's the reality. I'm not going to throw my testimony away for somebody who's going to be in a house for four years, maybe eight years. Baby, i got to stand before God for my whole life. Hallelujah. I'm not going to throw away who I am because have I got a church that's with me I said have I got a church that's with me okay just want to make sure I had a church that's with me I'm going to tell you what we need more than anything. We don't need an elephant. We don't need a donkey. I want so bad to call it. We don't need an elephant. We don't need a donkey. I'm going to tell you what we need. We need the hand of God. We need to understand that we are who we are because of the hand of God. I'm going to preach this thing if I can. My God, I got a word. I'm just going to read it to you the way the Lord gave it to me. I'm going to tell you something. We need the hand of the Lord on us as a nation, as a people, as a church, and personally. You must understand that nothing 
that ever happens, it doesn't happen without going through the hand of God. The hand of God is involved. Listen to me. He either is covering it with his hand. He is either guiding it with his hand. Or he has pulled his hand back to allow something to happen. But you better know his hand is either covering it, guiding it, or gently pulling back for a moment. To show you. He never leaves. His hand never leaves the situation. The covering just simply pulls back to remind you of what you would look like without him covering you. Oh, that's good preaching. Say this with me. The hand of God is always involved. That doesn't mean it's involved to do for you what you think is the best thing to be done. Do you think God was still God? When the children of Israel was wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, was he still God? Do you think God was still God when plague after plague and disease after disease, captivity after captivity happened to the people of God? Was God still God? Was God still God when they were driving nails to the hands of his son? They were putting a crown of thorns upon his son's head, driving a spear in his side, and being mocked and spit upon? Was God still God? Was his hand still here on this earth? One of the biggest issues that many believers face is they spend so much time, too much time, fighting the hand of God. Instead of trying to discern the hand of God in a situation. Oh, y'all didn't hear that. If you'd have heard that, you'd have shouted because here's the reality. We are fighting the hand of God instead of trying to find what the hand of God is doing. I want to read you a passage to begin a brand new series today that's been burning in my spirit Many of you have heard of it. You've heard the song we sing called Rattle. You know the story, the Valley of the Dry Bones. But I'm going to show you something that God showed me about two weeks ago about this story that I had never seen before in my life. We're going to break it down over the next four weeks at least and show you some things in that passage that is perfectly timed for this moment, perfectly timed for your life, for your family, but not just for America, but for the world. See, Ezekiel 37. We're going to put all the scriptures on the screen, but Ezekiel 37 verse 1 says this. I want you to see it, and I want you to read that first line out loud with me. One, two, three, go. The hand of the Lord came upon me. Stop. Let's read it again. One, two, three, go. The hand of the Lord was upon me. Stop. Now, I want you to look at the next part of this passage of Ezekiel 37. Before you ever get to talking about dry bones, you have got to get this in your spirit. We're going to read it all, the whole verse, together, out loud, go. The hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost by God. I feel him pushing me in the back and saying, you tell him, son. I can feel him. 
We'll get to the bones later. But before we ever get to the bone, because some of y'all want me to preach on it because you want to start prophesying the bones and you want to start seeing bones come to life and you want to start seeing the end. Everybody likes the happy ending. Before we ever get to the story of the bones, you have to get what verse 1 is trying to tell us. The hand of the Lord came upon me. I don't know if you are ready for the hand of the Lord to come upon you. Because you think if the hand of the Lord comes upon you, that means you're going to fall out in the power of God, flop around like some guppy outside of his fish tank. I've seen people. Y'all equate the glory of God with falling out and weeping and sobbing and crying and Holy Ghost helicopter, Holy Ghost chicken. I like the chicken with the best of I like to helicopter with the best of you. I like to run. I like to Jericho march. I like to dance. I like to shout. Ain't got no problem with none of that. But the Americanized church has taken the glory of God and you have so devalued it that you can't even begin to even comprehend what it means when the hand of the Lord comes upon you. Some of y'all be like, the hand of the Lord has come upon me and he has brought me into a promotion on my job. He might do that, but sometimes he might pick you up and set you down in the middle of a valley full of bones. Oh, I'm going to. Watch this. Notice Many, has, has anybody ever had to go through a valley? Both my hands are up in one leg. I've been through some valleys in my life, y'all. I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death in my life, y'all. Many times and most times, the valleys that you will experience are the valleys along the journey. Because you can't be on the mountain unless you came out of a valley. Well, Y'all didn't get it. Come on, I'm trying to make it simple for you to understand. At the base of every mountain is a valley. So you go through the valley and then God has his hand upon you as you are climbing the mountain. And at one point on the journey, if you stay faithful, you get to be on top of the mountain and you get to feel that blessing. There's nothing like it, that favor, that glory. But the next thing you know, God says you can't stop. You got to keep moving. And half your journey is climbing the mountain out of a valley. The, the other half of your journey is coming off the mountain into another valley. Life is a series of climbing mountains and walking through valleys. Are y'all hearing me? But now watch this. But sometimes, ooh, I'm about to do some preaching right here. Sometimes we don't walk into the valley. Sometimes we are put in the valley. Huh? God will help you 
walk through the valley that you've walked yourself into. But it's a whole nother level, my daddy, of a valley when God picks you up, puts his hand upon you, takes you over, and then sets you down into a valley. You better know this about God. If the hand of the Lord comes on you, and brings you out in the spirit of the Lord and sets you down in a valley. You better know God didn't set you down in that valley. Oh, some of y'all going to get this. To join forces with those in the valley. He don't need some dead dried up doubly plucked up from the roots cracker juice anointed person in a valley of dry bones. If he puts you in the valley of dry bones, he believes you got something in you to change the situation of the others that are already there. Some of y'all look around and see the dry bones and, th and think God has forsaken you. Why would he put me in a place like this? Why can't he put me on Beverly Hills? Why can't he build me a man? I've been faithful to God. I've been tithing. I've been giving. I've been sowing. I've been serving. I've been doing all this kind of stuff. But you're going to put me, God, in a valley of dry bones? If God picks you up with his hand and sets you down in the midst of a valley full of dry bones sounds familiar what I'm about to say he must trust you because if you're like most church folk can I preach a little most church folk would look at the situation and think well my God I, what have I done to deserve this and lay down right in the middle of the dry bones until you finally decay and join the crowd That ain't how the hand of the Lord works. You got to understand the context of this story. Ezekiel the prophet, when he wrote of this vision that we're about to get into in the next few weeks, he was in exile, bondage, if you will, himself. He was with his people. In an outlier village that was a part of the Babylonian Empire. God's people were still exiled from their beloved Jerusalem. They could not go to the place that they thought they needed to be to experience God. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. See, you got to get something in this pandemic. You got to get something. Y'all know how I feel about gathering because I done told y'all. I done told y'all. I said this two, three months ago. I don't care who's governor. I don't care who's president. I don't care if Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube all banned me about this. I made this declaration months ago. I ain't closing again. Now, you, you can make a decision, a spike of, of, of cases that you don't want to come. And that's your decision. Nobody's going to judge you. I promise you I ain't going to make you feel bad. But I ain't closing. Even if we get down to 15 people in here want to come hear me preach. Now, all y'all rest of y'all watch online. I'm going to be in this pulpit, and those doors are going to be open for who wants to come. Sorry. You can get mad at me if you want to, but that's, that's, that's the facts. But now watch this. The people, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, I remember now. This is what I was going to say. Is 
the anointing of God, the glory of God was still as strong on me in this praise team and on this house when we wasn't meeting in this house as is when we are meeting in this house. There's a, there's a different dynamic here. Would y'all agree? When you get together, it just feels different. But I'm going to tell you something. Even when I ain't here, and I don't mean this to brag on myself, but I'm going to just tell you facts. All I can talk about is me. I can't talk about you because I don't know you, your private life. But I can tell you this. I am the same in my house as I am here. You meet me in Walmart, I might not look like a preacher. I might not talk all holy when I see you. I'll probably talk about Alabama football or something like this. I don't know. Well, that, that might be holy. I don't know. But, but, I'll, but I'll, I'll just tell you this. I'm not perfect, but I know the hand of the Lord is on me no matter where I am. And no matter what's going on out there. Okay? So here they are in Babylon. They're not in Jerusalem. And they have dried up. Because they don't think they can praise unless they're in Jerusalem. Can I tell you something? Some of the greatest praise you'll ever have is when you're in prison, when you're in bondage, when you got chains on you. Paul and Silas was thrown in prison. They were told they were going to be killed the next day. But at the midnight hour, they began to sing praises and psalms and hymns unto God. And oh, with a death sentence in a jail cell, in a dungeon, being gnawed on by rats, laying in water, stinking, my God, with death looming over them, chains begin to fall off when they praise him in the prison. Can I tell you something? You need to learn how to praise him in a pandemic you need all oh, somebody you need to learn how to praise him no matter what's happening in politics you need to praise him in the pandemic you need to praise him in politics can't no virus take my praise hmm. but it has taken some people's praise now watch this. So he is in exile himself. This is a hope passage. This is not a death, a death passage. Even though you know if, if bones are laying there, that's death. But this is a hope vision. A hope that no matter what it looks like, it ain't always going to be this way. I know some of y'all think it's only going to get worse before it gets better. And you know what? It might. In the natural. But that don't mean it has to be that way in the spiritual. It might get a whole lot worse out there, but a whole lot better in here. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and prophesy. The, the worse it gets out there, the more people's going to be looking for something in here. Eleven twenty-four. if you're taking medicine. All right, because I want y'all to take that pill. All right, what's this? You got to get the context. This is all an introduction today. We go back in Ezekiel to chapter 1, verse 1. Look what Ezekiel says, chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the 30th year. I could preach right there about the 30th year. That's 30 is, is when a priest would become, was able, was old enough to become a priest. 30 was also the year that Jesus began his ministry. Something about 30. In the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chabar, that the heavens were opened. 
and I saw visions of God in bondage away from the church not having the liberty to do what he wants to do the heavens opened are y'all hearing me and I saw visions of God can I tell you, somebody needs to hear something this morning from your pastor. It don't matter what's around you. It don't matter what's got you chained up. It don't matter what they say on the media. I'm telling you, if you're where you need to be, the heavens are about to open up. And we're about to see some visions of God. You know how I know that? Because he said, in the last day, your old men will dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. I'm telling you. Y'all don't want me to preach this series because I'm going to step on some toes. While I'm in captivity, the heavens opened and I saw visions of God. The hand of the Lord had come upon him. See, when you are in captivity, you need the hand of the Lord more than you've ever needed it. Because if you're chained up, you can't get out. You need somebody to help you that's got the key. You ever seen them movies with them invisible people? Or in the movies and they, they come in and you can't see anything. But, so, but maybe one of their friends are locked up in jail. And you see this key just sort of floating across the room. You open it up and the invisible man lets your friend out of prison. Huh? You need somebody that, that's got the ability to slip by the guards. Huh? You need somebody that's got a master key to every lock. Whoa, I feel the Holy Ghost. You, oh, you need somebody that's got some chain cutters that can cut any chain no matter what grade. I'm going to say some things as a prophet right now. I'm a pastor. I'm going to prophesy some things. Y'all ready? This nation is in captivity to a spirit of Babylon. Go read your Bible. Go read the book of Revelation, which, by the way, I'll pick back up this Wednesday night. The Bible talks about in the end times, there'll be a spirit of Babylon. They'll try to even rebuild parts of Babylon but more than anything there'll be a spirit of Babylon Babylon is a spirit of bondage sorcery lust and here's the big one rebellion the spirit of Babylon has crept into the church rebellion is a sin of witchcraft that's what the word of God said we have to understand what brought those bones to that valley. Are y'all hearing me? We need to know what sucked the life out of them. We need to know why an army of flesh and blood became a valley of bones. God did not just set Ezekiel in the valley because there's a bunch of dead people there. He set Ezekiel in the valley of a bunch of dead visions, dead dreams, dead anointings, dead soldiers. 
Every one of them bones has got a story to tell. Every one of them bones made a decision to stay in the valley and not search for the hand of God. I'm going to be a little graphic here. And it didn't just start. This has been going on for a while. I'm talking about generations. Every generation, it gets worse. I've been preaching this for 20 years. Those bones that you see in that picture is a perfect example of this nation in the spirit realm. Are y'all hearing me? But it all goes back to Babylon. Hold up a second, brother. Thank you. A little context of Babylon. Daniel chapter 1 verse 2, Babylon is first called Shinar. Everybody say Shinar. Shinar is the same place as Babylon. We first learn about the region of Shinar in Genesis 11-2. This is where we learn about a very other famous story in the Bible called the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel, the region of Shinar in Genesis chapter 11, is when it is a perfect culmination of the story that we know when Satan rebelled against God and was cast out of heaven. And he said, I will ascend above your throne, O God. Satan has been on an agenda from the moment that he fell to exalt his so-called kingdom above the kingdom of God. The Tower of Babel in Genesis 11 was the culmination of the first generation humans buying into the lie of Satan's kingdom and his word. God created a kingdom and Satan did what he always does. He counterfeited what God did or made. He's always done that. The power of the Holy Ghost will come upon you. Sometimes it'll make, it'll make you drunk in the Holy Ghost. You'll stagger under the presence of God because our bodies are not able to handle and process the glory that comes on us. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it when the power of God comes on your life. How many knows what I'm talking about? So what does the devil do? Devil invents something. Alcohol and drugs. I think it's even funny that they're called spirits. Huh? But it's a poor imitation. This ain't no debate on alcohol here, but let's just tell it like it is. Alcohol is a pathetic imitation of the confidence that the Holy Spirit is supposed to give you. People drink alcohol to get it. The peace, getting things off your mind that the Holy Spirit is supposed to do, people drink or shoot up so they forget about the problem. The only difference is every counterfeit that he's ever made, the repercussions of that counterfeit are not there in the original. You don't wake up with a hangover after being in the presence of God. You wake up with joy. You don't wake up next to somebody that you don't even know their name. Huh? Wake up with a tattoo on you that says, Jenny. And you're like, oh, Lord, I hope Jenny was a good woman. Because I got a woman for the rest of my life. I have no idea who she was. Huh? But with the... The Holy Ghost. You remember what he did in your life. God created the kingdom. Satan counterfeits with Babel. Babel, Shinar, 
is his pathetic counterfeit. Is it amazing that he builds a tower? Why would he build a tower? Because he's been in heaven. He's seen the construction that's going on. He sees how God is high and lifted up. So he tries to counterfeit and mimic his own holy mountain. Well, let's just read it. Chapter 11, verse 1 says this of Genesis. Now the whole earth, you got to listen to this, was one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. Everybody say dwelt there. When they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone. They made asphalt, had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed the people are one. And they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, listen to the proclamation of God. This is the power of unity. Now, nothing that they purpose to do would be held, withheld from them. What? Come, let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Oh, I could preach for two hours. So the Lord scattered them abroad there over the face of all the earth and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel because it is there that the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the Lord scattered them abroad the face of the earth. Babel meaning, you ever heard somebody just babble along? A bunch of babbling that you can't understand? That's where we get the term. But what I want you to see is a couple of things. We've got to break this down. We've got to break this down over the next 25 minutes, 20 minutes. Is what you've got to get is this. Before Babel, everybody understood each other. Do you know what our problem is? We all speak the language, but we don't understand each other. We use the same language to explain our perspective to someone else who understands every word you just said, but cannot agree with that. So they take their language to fight your language. It ain't just the spirit of Babylon. It's the spirit of Babel. This nation has built a tower for themselves. This nation has built an inwardly focused tower unto themselves. Is it any wonder? It seems like layer after layer after layer of attack is happening. 
It's because if unity brings blessings, disunity is going to bring chaos. A house against itself cannot stand. Huh? What's this? They found a place and then they dwelt there. See, here's the problem. Even a child of God, a Holy Ghost man, a woman of God is going to have to go through some junk. The difference is don't dwell there. Because when you sit down and dwell in the midst of a temptation, hey, you, 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 you think you're going to make it as a child of God and not be tempted to sin, not be tempted to look at somebody that ain't your spouse, tempted, come on somebody, tempted to take something that ain't yours. Let me tell you something. Holy Ghost does not exempt you from temptation. But what the Holy Ghost is there for you in your life is to tell you what's going on and to get you to keep moving. Because once you dwell there, once you sit there long enough to start thinking about that other lady two cubicles down or that guy at the end of the hallway, praise God, you begin to be enticed. James says you're drawn away by your own lust and it becomes conceived and it gives birth. They dwelt there. They said, let's sit here together and let's talk this out. And they said one to another, man, it's time for us to make our own kingdom. I know what our ancestors has told us it was happening in the Garden of Eden, but that's just a bunch of mumbo jumbo. That's a bunch of nursery rhymes. They, we ain't got no Garden of Eden now. Ain't nothing but a desert out here. So we might as well do something for ourselves. Watch what they said. Because they knew in the back of their mind, if we don't do something, we're going to be scattered all over the earth. They knew it was coming. But isn't it interesting after God came down and broke it all up, the very thing that they built the tower to keep from happening still happened. See, is it powerful to see that, that God said, we've got to stop this because... If we don't confound their language, if we don't create a new multiple languages from this one language, they are going to be able to do everything they desire to do. How could God say that? Because God had given man dominion on this earth. Man has the right to speak anything. Woman has the right to speak anything into their life, embrace anything in their life. That's called dominion. Oh, I'm getting somewhere. So he says, I got to stop them because of the dominion that's there. I can't stop them from having that dominion, but I cannot allow them to do what they're doing. So he creates these languages, thus the famous story of the Tower of Babel. Now watch this. Here's why this had to happen and here's why unity is so powerful. Here's why the Holy Ghost fell in Acts chapter 2 when they all got in one mind and one accord. Watch this. Look what James says. I'm, I'm almost done. This, I told you I'm, I'm probably going to only cover that one verse in, in chapter 37 today to set us up. James chapter 3 verse 10 says this. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and curses. 
My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Why does he say that? Because that's not the plan of God. For you to bless and curse with the same mouth. He goes on into verse 11. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can I, can I just be transparent and real with y'all? I may lose some, some pastor friends here when I'm about to say this. I got pastor friends that two weeks ago was rebuking the devil that was on our nation. This morning, they're publicizing their sermon series about how God has put his favor on this nation. Watch this. The devil is still on this nation like he was a month ago, six months ago, four and a half years ago, ten years ago. It don't shift. Oh, it got quiet in here. The devil don't shift and God don't shift his hand by who you pull the lever for. Do you understand you can have the greatest anointing and the greatest revival that's ever known to man with President Biden or President Trump? I thought I was your pastor. If you can't believe that revival can happen, no matter who is in that White House, then you don't know who God is. Get mad at him if you want to. Listen to what happens. These are double-minded people. I love you, Pastor. I'm saying that in love to tell you. Quit, quit training your people to put their faith in man. Quit it. From here to here, can I get an amen? James 1, verse 7 says this. Talking about a, a double-minded man. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything for the Lord, for he is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Double-mindedness is Bible. It will suck the life out of you because you'll never have joy. I got to hurry. Still with me? The problem is, is not that they went to Shinar, but it is that they dwelt there. You cannot allow yourself to dwell in a place of chaos or a place of double-mindedness. Elijah was still dealing with the spirit of the worshipers of Baal that had came from Babylon, that had came from, ba from Babel on Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel, the great story of Elijah fighting the prophets of Baal, you have to understand something. Baal is directly linked to Babel or Shinar. Babylon, Baal, Shinar, Babel, they're all the same. So when he's on top of the mountain dealing with the spirit of Babylon, he's dealing with the demon of Shinar. He's dealing with the demon of Babel. Watch what Babel does. Watch what Babylon does. It's chaos, it's disunity, it's double-mindedness. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 20, the story of Elijah, he says, And Ahab sent for, for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? Are y'all hearing me? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. 
But the people answered not a word. How long, America, will you falter between a donkey and an elephant? How long, America, will you put your joy based on two opinions? My God, if God is God, he's God in America. He's God in Germany. He's God in Russia. He's God in China. He's God in Africa. He's God all over the world. Are you hearing me? If God is God, he is God. Let the God that answers by fire, let that God be God. Hallelujah. How long will you falter between two opinions? One day you got faith, next day you don't believe. Some of y'all... Been on an emotional roller coaster by watching the news. What does that mean? What does that mean? Why are you on an emotional roller coaster? Because your joy is based on getting the report of one thing. Depression is based on getting the report of another. But ain't it funny? When your joy meter's going up, there's a whole other group, about 50% of Americans, whose depression meter's going up. Then all of a sudden, something changes and their depression meter goes to joy meter and now your joy meter's in depression mode. In the same country. Same one that we say one nation under God. Indivisible. Meaning cannot divide us. Oh, I'm preaching good this morning. Now, now, all that was my introduction of my introduction. I'm not kidding. God confounded the language of Babel, but they were the same people. They just couldn't understand each other. We got people going to church together, sitting next to each other, going out to eat with each other, but they don't do anything outside that together because when they get outside of the church bubble, they go into two different worlds. All their Facebook friends think the same way. All their Twitter friends think the same way. They're looking out the same window every day. The world looks the same. Because you think everything the world, everybody else is seeing is the same way that looks out your window. But if you just go in another room and open up another window, you'll see that your own yard looks different from another window. But you've got to be willing to go look out another window. We have built a tower to ourselves. We have made ourselves God. We have turned our social ideas and preferences into our God. We care more about selfies than selflessness. If someone doesn't agree with you, they now become your enemy. You block them. You unfriend them. I had somebody tell me the other day, they said, Pastor, I have a friend that I've been friends with. Said, we, we, we all went to school together. This is another person telling me this. Said, we've been friends with them since middle school. We've talked and communicated on Facebook throughout our entire adult lives. And now I've been deleted and banned and blocked from a lifelong friend because of one comment that I made that I, didn't, that I didn't agree with their status that they put on Facebook and they couldn't deal with me so they blocked me. 35, almost 40 year friend. We're going to stand before God by how we're acting right now. 
church. I'm not talking to the world. I'm talking to the church. I don't expect the world to act right, but I expect the church to act right. We have two rivers. One has bitter water and one has clean water. In this nation, we have chosen the bitter river. Out of our belly is supposed to flow rivers of life. But out of even the most godly people that I thought were godly people, and I'm not judging them that they're not godly people, but I've heard rivers of bitterness coming out of their mouth. Real quick, back to the valley of dry bones. The Bible says the hand of the Lord brought him out and dropped him in the valley. If he puts you there, he trusts you for that valley. See, some people think I'm trying to be funny when I say I love 2020. But I am serious. God is using this year in ways that I've never seen him use any year that we can't even fully comprehend now. We will really only know, listen to me, you're not going to know how to process these words. We will really not know the value of this year until years to come. Years to come, we will look back and say, thank you, God, for exposing what you exposed in my life in 2020. And I'm closing. God is using this year in ways we can't even comprehend. People's allegiances are being made known to others and even to themselves. We are a divided nation. We're divided along political lines, ideological lines, religious lines, morality lines, and so many others. We are a modern-day Tower of Babel. But God, but God. Don't you love those two words? But God. Somebody shout it with me. But God. And you can't just say, but God. You got to say, but God. God. So I'm going to train some of y'all to be a preacher. Do it like a God. Put a little rattle in your voice. He got his hand on a remnant in the midst of chaos. And they, he ain't picking them up and setting them down in necessarily what looks like green pastures. He's been doing that for some of y'all for a long time. So y'all so spoiled now. You ain't never had to live outside the green pastures. Some of y'all, walk, God's walking in. In your green pasture, the shepherd. Of Psalm 23 is picking you up out of your little green pasture, out of your little secure bubble where nobody offends you or hurts you. And you're just like, you're flying along in that hand. You're like, oh, Lord, where are we going now? Ooh, from glory to glory, from blessing to blessing. Oh, I can't wait to see, Lord, what my promotion looks like. Because you wouldn't have brought me out of the great blessing I was in if you wasn't going to give me something better. So, Jesus, I just want you to know, Lord, I'm ready. I just want you to know, Lord, whatever you want from me, God, I'm here. I just want you to know, Jesus, here I am. Send me. Use me. Mold me. Fashion me. Chisel me. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Get me ready for, oh, for the next level. All right, God, I'm ready.
ain't never been one to question you, God. I don't think you get confused. But could I just say, Lord, because, you know, we like that. We talk. I think in this one instance, you might have made a mistake. Because this don't look like a promotion. But the Lord, if you will listen, in the middle of those dry bones that he just set you in, if you'll take the time to listen to that still small voice, you'll hear the Lord say, Oh, to the contrary, this is the greatest promotion you've ever walked in in your life. Because I see something in you that you don't see in you. And you got something that all these dry bones need. There's no hope for them without you here. That's why I put you here. Somebody shout, thank God. He put me here in 2020. Get up on your feet right now. Somebody shout, thank God. He placed me right here at this moment. Thank you, Jesus, for trusting me. Stay on your feet. Father God, right now, we thank you as a church. I thank you as pastor of this house. I thank you as a husband and a father and a papa. I thank you for every role that you've placed me in. That God, <laughs> you were, I'm humbled, God. I'm humbled, God. That you would choose me to pastor, lead, and be a, just a man of God in this moment. I've never been so excited about not knowing the next step as I am now. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds my future. God, thank you. Unite this church like we've never been united before. The woman of God called it out of us today. Called those gifts out of us today. Wake up, you sleeping giant. Arise, mighty men and women of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the fiery darts of the wicked. Maybe, just maybe, you've come to this moment for such a time as this. You've been placed into the valley of dry bones because God trusts you in this moment. What will you do with this moment? Will you give in to the death? Will you lay down with the bones? Or will you listen to what he told the prophet in this story to speak life to those bones? This is our moment, church. This is our moment.